If you're a Bitcoin SV entrepreneur looking for investment, pay attention. My guest is the managing director of Air Ventures, which invests only in BSV businesses. I want to find out how this VC business works, so I'm looking forward to speaking to Paul Ratchgold. You're listening to CoinGeek Conversations with Charles Miller. So, Paul, thank you very much for doing CoinGeek Conversations today. Absolute pleasure to be here. You're Managing Director of Air Ventures. What does that mean on a day-to-day basis? What does the, jo- what does the job involve? Sure. So um, I've had this role for almost three years now. Um, in that role, I basically run the venture arm of Calvin's family office. Calvin Air. Um, Calvin Air's family office, absolutely. And I report to an investment committee that reviews our investment proposals and um, that helps us with our due diligence. And then ultimately, they make, a re- they make the recommendation, yay or nay, to uh, make an investment into a company. And once we do that, that's, that's just the beginning. That's far from the end. We don't just hand over the money and that's the end of it, where we typically get involved as either a board member or an um, observer on the board. We have frequent meetings with the company. We make lots of introductions to the companies, which is one of the things that VCs are, are, are meant to be used for. It's not just a blank check. It's also, let us put you together with these companies. We can help. Um, you may know the company without us, but we can help, you know, grease the wheels. We can help with further introductions. We can help make things happen. Frequent meetings with the companies we invest in to see how they're doing, to give advice, to make introductions. So it's, it ends up being um, quite a role um, besides just investing. Well, let's just, let's just go to the beginning of that sure. process where you are actually making contact with startup companies for the first time. I mean, is it normally you hearing about a company and approaching them? Or do you have people knocking on your door? And what stage of development is the typical company that comes to you? Yeah, good questions. It's, it's really all over, uh, it's all over the spectrum with all those questions. So for example, I would say most of the number of companies that we look at are inbound. And they come in through um, the venture section of CoinGeek or from our website, uh, air.group. So we have a lot of inbound and we look at everything because you just never know. I'll give an example without naming a name, but one of the companies that's in um, the BSV sphere that we invested in and is, is doing very, very well came in through a LinkedIn connection of all things. Like literally they wrote to us on LinkedIn. It got passed to me. I looked into them thinking, hey, you never know. And it's worked out very, very well for BSV, uh, for their customers. And as an investment, I think we're up six or seven X, uh, believe it or not. And do you think that companies, uh, are, are these companies with BSV already or do they pivot towards BSV because then they see an opportunity through Air Ventures? It's all over the map. It's all over the map. Um, I would say most of the companies are coming from outside uh, BSV right now, which is great. Right. Yeah. So, But then they come to you saying, we love BSV, obviously, because... <laughs> they wouldn't say anything else. They have to. That's an absolute condition, yeah. presumably. That's right. Yeah. 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 They come to us and, you know, let's Take a fictitious example of a software company. Let's say we have an enterprise software company that um, there's one we're looking at right now. I don't know if it's going to come to fruition, but it's a risk management software company. They have software that companies that own big facilities like airports, uh, movie theaters, malls, um, they use their software to monitor the operations of that facility to keep track of when the bathrooms were cleaned, when the floors were cleaned, when so-and-so checked in, when so-and-so checked out. They have cameras. None of this has to do with BSV or blockchain at all. Yeah, this is just their their basic software operation. However, now they've discovered the ability to use blockchain to record auditably, right, the immutable record of that information. 
you know, the toilets were certainly cleaned at 5.02 because that's when the camera saw the person come in, that's when they wrote it down on their checklist, and that's when other software caught it, etc. Now it's immu immutably on record, so if somebody slips and falls and sues them and their insurance company would be on the hook, let's say for a million dollars, in this case a million pounds because it's a British company, you have a record that cannot be debated because it's on the blockchain um, of what actually did happen. Same with vandalism, terrorism, all these kinds of things. They can have records that are, have that traceability, auditability that only blockchain can do, but of course, specifically only BSV can do reliably and with that ultra low cost that's reliable for businesses. So, I mean, it's interesting that that example you gave, presumably this company that was already in business successfully mm -hmm. right. doing this monitoring or whatever, that they somehow heard about Bitcoin SV. Mm -hmm. And it, it, the, the sort of the cycle, the virtuous cycle of we put out information, we give conferences, right. we, you know, we put all this stuff online. And if people out there are starting to find that and then realize how useful it is for their business, which they hadn't thought about before, and come to you, then we really are uh, in a good place with that, aren't we? We are. It, it's, it happens. I, I can't help but laugh because, you know, when you, when you get distracted by, and I'm not saying that you do, but when one gets distracted by the noise of social media and the negative things you hear about BSV, you know, from both outside and inside... I see it very differently because I'm, you know, I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I do see that inbound interest. And I think, I think we're winning is the way I'll put it. Uh, there's a ton of activity going on. Now, these things don't, the timeline, unfortunately, isn't company comes in, companies live and invested in on BSV th three weeks later. It's months and months and months. All of it takes time. The full investment due diligence process takes time because uh, back to, you know, our approach, we look for certain things from a company that, you know, maybe we'll talk about today. But the fact that they're choosing to build on BSV is fantastic, but that's not where our due diligence starts and finishes. Of course, we have to check into the company, management's background, do they have their clients the way they say they do? We have to go into the data room and do all that kind of due diligence to check out everything they say. Then, of course, there's the company's forecast. We need to understand every company has a very rosy, the old hockey stick forecast, as we call it in Canada. What do you call it in the UK, by the way? It can't be a hockey stick. We don't have hockey there. Maybe an umbrella handle. Yeah, okay. A polo <laughs> stick? I've never heard anybody refer to it as the old umbrella handle forecast, so that must not, that must not be it. Okay, well, in Canada and in the U.S., it's the hockey stick, because you start off like this, and then, hey, look at that, our growth mm. is like that. Mm. Who knows what's going to happen next year, two years, three years down the road, but we need to go into the forecast and understand why the company thinks those numbers are going to pan out. Mm. So all those things have to check out. Then we write a proposal, go to our investment committee. More often than not, we have further due diligence to do to satisfy their concerns, and then we're at the point of saying, okay, now we're approved. Well, we're not investing it. Then we have to make sure there's a shareholders agreement, which is, involves negotiating with the management team, their lawyers, our lawyers, because now you're talking ownership of a company. What happens if the investment doesn't work out? Typically, VCs of any stripe have also all sorts of protections and demands to make sure that they're protected as can be before the ultimate worst case scenario of just a company closing down or going bankrupt or something. There's a plethora of things they have to look into and that's why it takes six months to right. see uh, a new enterprise before they go live on BSV. And so from the point of view of Air Ventures, is the, the big vision to build a portfolio of companies that you have a, a, a significant interest in? Or is it to make a very profitable fund because once they get more valuable, you'll sell up and start again with somebody who's smaller? Mm -hmm. 
I mean, it's both. We're, we're like any investor, we're very driven looking for that ROI where I think we're different. And I can, examples come to mind and I'll be very careful to not give any names, but um, in our agreements to invest in a company, those that are new to BSV, part of that agreement, like in the example I gave before, let's say there's some scenario where uh, that company uh, has chosen ultimately to not build on BSV, even though they said they would. Um, typically, we try to protect against that. So one of the things we do is we'll invest, let's say, half of our capital in now, whatever the full commitment is, let's say it's a million pounds, we'll put half a million pounds in now, half a million more in a second tranche when you meet milestones X, Y, and Z. Right. Um, and so let's say they've met milestones X, Y, and Z, but for some, and we give them the rest of the capital, but for some reason, a year later, they're not delivering. They've chosen to stop using BSV. And I, I can't really think of many scenarios where that's happened, but I'll just say where a company has not delivered and has chosen not to go to BSV for whatever reason, we find that unacceptable. It's a breach of our contract, and we look to exit. And there are cases when, if we held on, there might have been a much greater return because let's say the company was planning on IPOing next year. So hmm. BSV or not, we might have had a very good return in our capital. But you know the way we look at ROI, um, first and foremost, it, it's it's building on BSV. It's it's taking advantage of that utility. It's delivering transactions on chain. So if a CEO comes to you and says, "Look, let me just explain this to you." we've decided we're not going to use BSV, but this is going to be 10 times as profitable instead of that, that wouldn't be good enough. No. In fact, we have one of those situations right now in the portfolio <laughs> that, uh, that um, we're, we're dealing with. And yeah, that's, that's just not okay. But having said all that, we love when it all comes together. When a yeah. company does build on BSV, then grows thanks to, you know, partly thanks to their, util- their usage yeah. of BSV, and then they do very well, and we, you know, we end up with a five, six, seven, ten times return. I mean, I've been involved in this peripherally for two or three years now. And I must say, it is noticeable how many more businesses there are involved right. in BSV and how much they are more substantial, I think, than they were. You know, to start with, a typical thing would be one or two founders and maybe a few developers. Now, it's, they're more substantial companies. But... I'm still looking for a very profitable company. Is that unfair? No, uh, I don't think it's unfair. Um, I, think, I think that aspect is going to take time. I think the, the way I look at it, let's first get, um, from my perspective, let's first get these companies that are bringing enterprises to BSV, such as with Mint Blue. I don't know if you caught Mint Blue's update the other day, but I don't know if they mentioned this number, but it, since it's all on chain, we can go and see. They've put something like 2 million transactions which in their case are digital invoices for the accounting software division of this company, Visma, which is 15,000 employees. They're a private company in Europe, so it's not a name that I, that I was very familiar with. Maybe you were, but um, in North America, it's not a name that I knew, even though they have business in North America. But, you know, that's a big company, 15,000 employees, 200 of which sit in this accounting software division. Wow. So this one division of this mega corporation mm. is using BSV, Maybe unbeknownst to them, they're just using a blockchain solution that is part of the Mint Blue you know, offering, and they've put 2 million digital invoices on the blockchain so far, and it's just the beginning. So do you think the answer to my question is not um, that there's some sort of problem with profitability, even though you may have interesting businesses, but simply that it's actually all just much slower to develop than you might hope? What I would say is it all depends on the company's business. I think we're used to thinking in the BSV ecosystem about a BSV business from the ground up, like a BSV uh, you know, hackathon participant, such as the case with um, Mint Blue. They used to be called Kurt. 
KYRT. Maybe you, you might have interviewed them before. I'm not sure. But uh, they, they, they were a top three hackathon winner a year or something ago, a year and a half ago. Now they have, they're one of the most advanced, I think, enterprise-focused companies uh, using BSV. But they're a BSV ground-up sort of company. On the other hand, you have that risk management software company I mentioned before that has lots of clients, um, has, I forget how much revenue, let's, let's call it a million plus pounds, 20 or 30 employees. That's a growth stage company now looking to do their next financing. But for them, and this is one of the things that I'm very excited about in uh, the BSV space, and I think, I think Calvin Air is too, you can sort of think of them as adding the blockchain layer on top. Like this is already their tech stack. This is what they do. It's a SaaS platform that plugs into their insurance um, systems. It tracks all their activity to manage their facilities. And oh, by the way, wouldn't it be great to add BSV blockchain on top, or maybe it's on the side, to plug into so that we can put certain data on chain to prove it. So that to me is not a BSV company. Right. That is a high growth company that probably has a better chance of getting to your point of getting to profitability as a company mm. than let's say a BSV startup that is going to take on the world, you know, changing the way the music industry works or changing yeah. the way the advertising industry works using BSV and only BSV. We love those too. We've invested in lots of companies like that, but I'm thrilled to see, um, you know, kind of per your point earlier, I'm thrilled to see all these enterprise software companies coming from outside some of them are new to blockchain altogether, like the case of this company. Others are leaving Ethereum. Others are leaving Hyperledger. Yeah, I mean, I think another example of a, an existing company that has found BSV is Rad, perhaps. Right. Quite a big company, uh, already doing business with very big names in the entertainment business. And Air Ventures announced uh, an investment right. with Rad. Mm -hmm. So there, I almost wonder whether you're going to have the kind of clout with RAD that you would like to have because actually it's already rather a, rather a big company. Mm -hmm. Well, first of all, we better have the clout that we want to have. <laughs> um, but that, 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 that is, a, is a great name to bring up. One of the things I'm very excited about that company, um, not only are they going to build, an, add the BSV layer to their NFT offerings so that people can choose to launch BSV NFTs, but what I'm accept, more excited about than that is they're going to continue to offer NFTs on other platforms. And that's fine. They have lots of users existing already that you know, I think they mint NFTs on Ethereum and maybe other blockchains, I'm not sure. But we're just at the beginning of that arm of the uh, NFT wave, I think. But what excites me more is, to me, that's an enterprise company. And the reason I said that, and I think they even described it in their press release uh, announcing the investment, is they're going to use BSV themselves, I think with Enchain's help, um, to manage all their NFT operations. They're actually yes. going to be using BSV smart contracts and so on, almost like their internal ERP system or what have you, like their own internal software platform to manage, track and trace and so on, all their NFTs. So call it what you want, but to me, that's an enterprise NFT platform using BSV. It's exciting. When you're sort of involved with Bitcoin SV, there is very much a kind of us and them mentality. Um, anybody who's not BSV is kind of the enemy, I suppose, in, in a... In a shorthand way of putting yeah. it. But with examples like RAD, and you, you're very relaxed about them using other blockchains in parallel, do you think that that us and them mentality is sort of slowly breaking down and that BSV will be simply um, integrated with the wider world of all these other alternatives? Because the argument sometimes is, it all needs to end up on one blockchain, and that's BSV, which is rather the sort of us and them mentality. Yes, and I think like my honest opinion is I, I am in that camp. I very much believe uh, 
Dr. Wright's vision and, and Calvin's vision and so on, that that is where it has to end. And I didn't used to understand that. I can't explain it properly now, but when it is explained to me by other people that you know, are not those particular people, but are far more technical and knowledgeable than me, I start to understand where they're going with the network effect and that just others will not be able to compete. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen in, you know, next year or the next five years or 10 years. I don't know when it'll happen. Hmm. But I think we can still have a parallel with while I believe that'll happen, and I believe Ethereum will go away one day, and I believe that it should, in the meantime, for however many you know, years or maybe a decade it'll be around, you can continue to do things on other blockchains and have a tokenized copy of them on BSV. And, you know, I know we're all familiar with that, that notion of wrapped BTC, wrapped Ethereum. I know some of the wallets and exchanges are doing that, um, including you know, Handcash announcing something that I know is not quite the same, but Handcash's involvement with Circle to, to offer to allow other blockchains to come into BSV as well as Fabric with their Weave product that, you know, you can bring in your, your other cryptocurrencies and convert them to BSV so that you can participate in the BSV ecosystem. So I'm, I'm, in, the, I'm in both camps. I believe, you know, you, you can use BSV whatever way you can, whatever way you want to. It's an open protocol, and it really is. There's, there's a debate. Is it an ecosystem? Is it a community? It's whatever you want it to be. But ultimately, if we really believe it's going to be the winner and will, you know, swallow the Internet, then you're going to have everybody using it. Everybody's going to be on it, uh, good, bad, and otherwise. So everyone's welcome to try and do whatever it is they want to do. So, but do you find when you, uh, probably not in the middle of your business negotiation, putting forward this point of view, but perhaps in the bar later with people, that they sort of might be saying, well, you know, he's a great guy to do business with, but he's got this crazy idea that BSV is going to conquer the world. Sure. Yeah, you know, it comes up. It comes up. It's good. To, I think it's good to have a good laugh about it. We can right. we can agree to disagree and just see what happens. Yeah, you know? exactly. But where it keeps coming back to for me, um, we in a sense we have two BSVs. We don't. We don't. But in a sense, there's sort of two worlds. There's the world of there's lawsuits. There's debates over who owns the right to the you know the Bitcoin name. We all know you know what's happening there, and there's probably a lot more that's going to happen. A lot of people think that that's holding back business. I mean, I have to say it certainly doesn't make it easier. But I think what's really important to understand is going back to the mint blue example and the rat example and things like that. Unless you're spending all your time on Twitter and other social media, those companies that are hiring mint blue to, to use a blockchain to, to, to get the benefits of blockchain, they don't know about that stuff. They don't care about that stuff. They don't care about the internal controversies. They aren't aware of the internal controversy. So I think some of us get sucked in, myself included sometimes mm-hmm. to the sort of echo chamber of social media BSV and social media crypto and getting into fights with other people and other blockchains who, you know, slander us. And, you know, 99% of the time they're, they're entirely wrong. They just don't have the right facts and they don't want to look them up. But there's no point in debating those people aside from the fun factor, yeah. if that's fun for you. Because, you know, the clients out there that are coming to BSV for the enterprise purposes, they don't know about that stuff. They don't care about that if they did. I mean, I think there is a positive side to that. Mm-hmm. A very sort of unified view in that it is a direction of travel for the whole enterprise that is actually consistent and makes sense, I think. So yes. not all bad, perhaps. Yeah. And you know, what's funny to me is when you, when you look outside the blockchain sphere, and I, th- I think back to my prior world as an investment banker, one of the areas I used to focus on, uh, which I think is relevant, um, is the patent licensing world. Now, I used to have a big client, still a public company. Today, they're called Quarter Hill. They're on the, the Toronto Stock Exchange as well as NASDAQ. Back then, they were called Wyland, and they were one of the early companies sort of in the mid-2000s. Um, 
They were part of this wave of companies that were getting involved in licensing patents from other people. So they would buy patent portfolios from Google, from Apple, um, and do licensing deals. And so you'd hear, you'd see an announcement of Wyland does a deal with Samsung to license Samsung's, you know, uh, chip technology in exchange for selling a, pa- a portfolio of Wyland's patents. And, you know, sometimes they would announce the size of the deal, sometimes they wouldn't. And even back then there was the debate, oh, that's a patent troll, that's patent troll, that's not. Whatever the case may be, this is a big part of corporate business, always has been. So I find it hilarious when in the blockchain world, people talk about patents as, oh, they should be open, they should be free. And it's like, what are you talking about? The companies that are threatened by the patent portfolio of Enchain, for example, have thousands of their own patents. Yes. Blockchain and otherwise. You think Facebook and Twitter and all those kinds of companies don't have patents? Of course they do. Yeah. So why in blockchain is it different? It's well, also, there's a, big di- there's a big difference between buying up existing patents and hoping right. to profit from them and actually making things and then patenting them, which mm-hmm. is what Enchain is busy with, isn't that's it? That's right. Yeah. But even the business of buying and selling patent portfolios, that's always been a part of the negotiation. Right. So often a company will say to Apple, hey, uh, I own patent ABC, which is, is a fact. Here are the patents. And the lawyers might debate, well, I don't know if that patent really trips up our, our Apple whatever chip, let's say, for example. But after years of debate, let's say they agree, okay, let's do a settlement of $100 million, but we want some of your patents. You're bringing this subject up in relation to the sort of bad feeling around yes. BSV. That you, you, yeah. In your mind, there's a big link between those, those two yeah. areas. Well, I just think it's hilarious that these companies in general that typically love patents to protect their IP, uh, to protect their business, to the extent that a patent can protect you. It only goes so far. Mm. You know? um, but all these companies, they say, not only do they all have patents in general, the, the corporate world at large has patents in general. Yeah. All the technology, I've grabbed my phone, it's not in my pocket, but mm. my phone, my fictitious phone here has, I don't know, probably thousands of patents for, with yeah. all the companies involved there. And the software that runs everything we do is patents to protecting it too. So it's a nonsensical argument, but for some reason, people cling to it in, uh, in the blockchain world. And it, just, it sort of shocks me and amazes me every time. I want to just ask you one simple question, which is, what are the things that immediately put you off in a proposal that somebody brings to you hoping that you might want to invest in their business? My favorite, which happened at the conference just yesterday, is we're looking at BSV blockchain, we're looking at uh, Polygon, we're looking at Solana, and we're looking at Cardano. But if you invest in us, we'll come to BSV. Right. And I go, great. You've just failed you know, the first test of management. Because if you're, if you're saying we love BSV, you're the best technology. However, we'll go to the worst technology. If you don't invest in us, we're not going to invest in you. Right. Thank you for helping me with a really fast <laughs> due diligence process. So yeah, that's the, first, the absolute first no-no. Um, I guess they think that's a big sell. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're going to find this attractive company to come to BSV. Yeah. But when they say, but we'll go somewhere else otherwise, I'm like, no. What, what about an actual, what, what is the most common and therefore not interesting idea for a business based on BSV? Oh, that's a hard one. I'm, I, you know, some people are going to find this offensive, but so be it. There's so much NFT activity going on these days. I'm, I don't think I want to see another NFT platform that's, uh, dare I say, the typical NFT of we're an art platform for people to buy and sell digitized art, 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 art. I, I do believe there's a market for that. We see it on BSV. We see it around the world. That's fine. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to slander it as a space. I just think there are so many already on the planet. Never mind on BSV. We've got, I don't know, probably 10 or 15 or 20, maybe even more if we think about all the ones in China and elsewhere that, you know, um, that we don't look at too often. There are so many. I don't want to see another one.
Right. Uh, and, and what's the kind of thing, and probably it's different in every case, but what is the kind of thing that really sparks your interest? Again, it really comes back to an enterprise software company somewhere else uh, in, in whatever sector they're in, content management, restaurant management, software, facilities management, salesforce.com type business, you know, um, customer relationship management software, any kind of real company that has an existing business that I, that I would describe as in growth stage mode. They're already growing and have their customers and so on. I love when they come to BSV and they see that this can help our business because what that tells us is they're not saying BSV is going to help us just by cutting some costs, which it will. That's not That doesn't excite us enough. It has to be we can differentiate ourselves from our whole space like RAD. Like RAD saying, we'll continue to sell Ethereum NFTs and whatnot, but we're going to use BSV internally to manage everything using smart contracts that are only that only work the way they do on BSV. That is a unique business. Right. I'm interested that nothing that you've mentioned so far has to do with Bitcoin SV as money, really. Mm. That's an oversight that I'm making a lot lately because, you know, we're big investors in, in that space. We're big investors in Handcash, Centpy, Chenti, others that are probably not coming to mind right now. So the whole, call it, I'm going to lump it into the fintech uh, box. That whole fintech box is still huge and there's things you can do there on BSV that you cannot do anywhere else. I guess it doesn't occur to me because we're already there. We already have what I believe are the most important, fastest growing, best management teams in that space. Not to slander the others that we've chosen not to invest in, but I think we've got great companies in that space and we're positioned very well there. And so it doesn't, doesn't jump out at me, but we look at all of them. If somebody approaches us that, that's in that industry that want, has a payment solution um, that they can only do on BSV, we, we love to look at them. Great. And final question. If somebody has a great idea, what is, in what format uh, would they be advised to present it to you? Um, best to reach out uh, through the coingeek.com website, or um, you can find us under the venture inquiry section. Same thing with air.group. Um, I think it's air.group portfolio. And then you'll find a place where you can submit an inquiry. You can also reach out on LinkedIn um, to air group or to me or on Twitter. And are you looking for like a 50-page detailed thing or how much um, information on a first uh, approach? Yeah, I would actually say yes. I'm, I'm, that's fine with us. We like to see a proper investor deck. Now, I always prefer to see a 10 or 20-page one, but if they have 50 pages worth of detail, I still, we'll still review it. Um, it's not just me, by the way. We've got a team that reviews uh, these investment opportunities. Fantastic. Well, Paul, thank you so much. And I hope you got lots of great ideas as a result of this interview. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Thanks very much to Paul Rajgod. Next week, my guest will be AJ Palmer of GameFi, in which the FI is for finance. The company says it is, quote, applying a game-like strategy to the crypto market. All will be revealed next week. Please join me and AJ then for another CoinGeek conversation.